0: Welcome to the Coaching Cast, your Working From Home Managers Club, here to check in with you weekly to share your working highs and lows, remind you that you're not alone and that there's many of us outside of your current four walls, all trying to be the best coach, leader, manager and human being that we can be. I'm Lisa, founder of Grip Corporate Coaching, personal performance coach, leader and chief eye roller when it comes to all nonsensical corporate mumbo jumbo which suffocates rather than advocates.
1: And I'm Susie, sales and business coach at Future Business Coaching. Currently taking on my hardest coaching assignment to date: parenting a toddler who doesn't take too kindly to being questioned.
0: In this podcast, we aim to explore the leadership and coaching techniques required to navigate and survive the current business environment. Presenting different topics each episode, which we will discuss with some special guests along the way, sharing ideas, hints, and tips for you to take away and try for yourself. We hope you enjoy listening. In today's episode, we're discussing feedback and recognition what it is, why it's important to do it and to do it well, and how you can build a feedback culture based on just having great, consistent conversations. So before we get into the episode, Suze, what's been going on for you this week?
1: Hello. Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Um, I took myself off on a little holiday the other week um, in country, just didn't go uh, abroad, unfortunately, given everything going on. Trends, know. stay in the area, stay in the UK. Yeah, I know. So, yeah, I went to West Wales. It was absolutely beautiful. Lovely part of the world. Never been there before uh, for a little uh, staycation. So, that was nice. Um, weather was typically British, I'd say. <laughs> um, got absolutely soaked for <laughs> a good uh, few days out of the week I was there. <laughs> Brilliant. (laughs) Um, It wouldn't be a British summertime holiday if you didn't get rained on every day. No and then um, I don't know whether that's fortunately for me or unfortunately I seem to have gone on holiday with Bear Grylls who um, for anyone who knows me knows that I like being outdoors so I enjoy Like walking and being outdoors but I prefer walking on a flat surface I'm not great on hills slopes coming downstairs any gradient is my like idea of absolute hell I'm just awful at anything like that walking wise anyway so obviously went on holiday with with the, a wannabe bear grills we go off on this walk um which was fine he, you know like my husband said I've checked it out it's it's like a straightforward walk down this river into the local town so I was like perfect brilliant absolutely peeing down with rain so I was like it's fine I basically looked like mountain warehouse had thrown up on me had all <laughs> I had all of the gear on and absolutely no idea what I was letting myself in for so we get to the car park, um, get the dog, get my little boy sorted. So off we go. And then as we go out the car park, everyone's going left to kind of go out the car park towards start this walk. And my husband's like, no, it's this way. So we, we go right like into the forest. So I'm thinking, okay, everyone else is going a different way, but I'll go with this. It's just at the start of the walk. Yeah. Anyway, it was absolute hell on earth. <laughs> for me <laughs> I was clambering up like the side of like this what felt like to me a cliff edge it wasn't <laughs> to the average normal human being but it was absolutely <laughs> horrible oh, God. peeing down with rain like sideways so it was slippy and I was just like all I could see to my like left like down below were just all these people on this really nice flat nicely well trodden path have enjoying a nice little walk next to this river and up above them is me having some form of minor panic attack (laughs) about the fact that I'm clambering down this mountainside in the rain and annoyed that we're not on the flat path which is literally (laughs) about 10 meters below (laughs) with everybody else um so yeah, it, we had a few moments where we we had a couple of arguments on that walk. I'm going to be honest, it was it was a bit precarious, but we eventually scaled down to this kind of like uh, opening next to the river where the, we joined the the mainstream path. And all was well in the world, and everything was fine and okay. But um, yeah, at one point I was just like, "What the hell am I doing? This is, I'm not made for, for stuff like this. Like I love walking, but I hate that kind of like going off the beaten path, where my husband absolutely enjoys." doing that and I'm like the exact opposite because the the you know the well-trodden path is boring in his eyes but for me as I'm hanging on with my fingernails for dear life I'm gonna fall down this cliff into the river at the bottom um it was yeah it was quite stressful
0: the rest of the holiday was lovely (laughs) and the marriage is still intact yeah
1: yeah good it was was all good what those people must have thought who were literally about 15 meters below us like why the hell are they up there when they could just be on this nice lovely well trodden path anyway we all (laughs) live and learn (laughs) brilliant oh well I'm glad you guys had a great holiday (laughs) really relaxing I can
0: thoroughly be honest that sounds like every holiday I ever went on with my parents that was very similar to be fair I always remember one infamous uh Terry family holiday that we went on as kids down in Cornwall, I think it was. And that was in August. And it was a typical British summer holiday. It rained there <laughs> that entire week. Yeah. And I just remember always being in a swimming pool in the rain because yeah, as a kid, you don't care. You're wet anyway. No. Yeah, and, exactly. there's a, and there's a swimming pool there. But that was a, a typical, typical Terry holiday. I think my dad had a cold the entire week. And with his bed that with my mum was, my dad's over six foot. It was too short. So his legs hung over the end of the bed the entire trip and he couldn't sleep. And then we went on a family walk and he decided to take a shortcut down yeah. to the beach and ended up spraining his ankle on the way down. It was like carry on camping, but it was like, you know, carry on summer holidays with the Terry family. So, you know, I think all British families, every holiday is supposed to be as you've described. That's a gen, you know, going through the generations, you know, still the same.
1: Yeah. So, but I'm glad oh, you had no. a good break thank you but yeah i honestly must have looked an absolutely right sight to anybody i apologize now to anybody who's walking that actual just nice normal path <laughs> what they must have heard and seen like of me and the, all the expletives i was probably using whilst trying to scale down this mountainside uh, Apologies.
0: <laughs> <laughs> brilliant wow as i said just glad you got away though excellent so should we get chatting on today's episode let's do it Feedback, just the word tends to trigger feelings of anxiety. This is more than likely due to a couple of things. One, we've all had an experience of receiving feedback badly. Not necessarily the content, but how it was delivered to us. And two, feedback is about us and challenges our perception of ourselves and the construct we've built to represent who we are to others. When this is reinforced, this makes us feel good. But when it's critiqued, we can become defensive because it plants seeds of doubt in our mind about who we are and what we're about. However, feedback has the potential to be the most powerful method of supporting us all to be better and to grow and develop to achieve greater success. Delivered well and with great consideration, it is the kindest, most invaluable gift a person can give to another. Susie and I used to work for Suntory, GBNI, previously known as LucasAid Ribena Suntory, and the current CEO... Carol Robert recently shared that clear is kind, unclear is unkind in the context of recognising that as a leader, your role is to be honest, directive and to enable people to be their best by having regular conversations about their performance using feedback. By holding back on giving feedback to others, you're stopping them from being their best and achieving greater success. You're stopping them from receiving information that they may not know about. So the aim is to enable feedback to become part of the everyday, a habitual practice where both parties are comfortable to give and receive it freely. But how do you give great feedback and how can you begin working to build an open, honest conversation culture in your team and in your business? So, Suze, let's start with our experiences of bad feedback and good feedback. So can you give me an example of each Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Yes.
1: (laughs) Yes, I can. Absolutely. I didn't have to think too hard for examples of these, I have to say. But before I do, I just want to shout out linked back to your intro there um about carol and her very wise words uh, lisa and i are big fans of, of carol and her work but the podcast um where she talks about feedback is called uh, lead and thrive by dwyer partners please go and have a listen because it's a really interesting interview if you're especially if you're interested in this topic around feedback mm. um go and check it out. But um, yeah, going back to um, your question, uh, yeah, I can definitely think of some examples in my career so far where I've experienced good feedback and also not great feedback. So I'm going to start with the good first, so the positive um, first. And that was um, about more around me as a, recip- a recipient of feedback um, and kind of how it how it was managed, constructed and how it made me feel. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was during an experience a few years ago where I worked for a manager called Nick. Um, and Nick was brilliant at, um, at giving feedback. He was incredibly honest all the time. um, And that was just part of of, of who he was. But when it actually came to um, feedback, he had a nice little way of delivering it. And that was about linking it into a, um, a coaching conversation. So for me personally, that was a really effective thing to do that worked for me uh, really well. And also, it became quite an ongoing thing in our one to ones. So, it didn't be like we didn't have just like operational one to ones. And then all of a sudden, we would um have a, a session where we just talked specifically about feedback. And then it was kind of ad hoc here and there. Feedback was quite consistent within those one to ones. Um, and so, for me, that was good because. It means that I always kind of knew what to expect and I wasn't blindsided that we were just suddenly going to get some feedback one day. And I was gonna mm-hmm. be like, oh, uh, OK, didn't realize we were talking about this. Yeah. And um, so what do I actually mean by kind of like linking it in with a coaching conversation? Well, basically what Nick would do was he would ask me lots of open questions. So, um, for example, so he'd be like, so how was that meeting for you? What did you learn? Would you have done anything differently? So he would start by um, asking lots of open questions and kind of, I suppose, getting my take on a particular situation or scenario. Um, And then kind of building from that, he would give his observations of that particular situation or if we were in a meeting, he would give his his assessment of that. Um, And actually that's where the two pieces work really well together. So starting with that coaching conversation with those open-ended questions and then bringing in your observations and um, views around a particular thing and and kind of merging them together within Mm. that conversation it worked really well for me and the reason it worked really well is because I had a chance to initially contribute my own thoughts my own feelings my own assessment Mm. of those situations so that when he gave me his feedback I was so much more open to it and actually kind of all the time, pretty much, I was pretty much always aligned. I can't think of of a time when I wasn't really. Mm, Um, mm. And so I became, so then that means that I was a lot more, um, you know, open and I really got the fact that his comments were there for me to help me grow and to help me learn. And Mm. I was really bought into that. And the fundamental for me around why that was, was because I'd had that opportunity upfront to give my assessment through those really crucial open questions and that mm. coaching conversation initially mm. um so that's an example for me where um that approach was really good and it made the feedback land in a really positive way and also I think and we'll come on to probably talk about this in, in a minute but I think the way that you structure what you're going to say in terms of the feedback you need to land is also really critical and Nick was great at being very honest at times but he had a good sense of humor about him so we kind of always had a laugh along the way and 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 so it didn't make it feel as formal as perhaps having a you know structured we're now going to have some feedback and talk about feedback together kind of conversation it was it was a bit more jovial than that because we did it on such a regular basis
0: I was just about to say I think the three things I've taken away from that example is the regularity in that it was part of the conversation, it and always part of the conversation. And the fact that as you describe Nick, he was a very honest person. But the fact that he encapsulated that value and and did so consistently in, in everything that he did and with all his your his interactions with you, you know, demonstrates, I think, him continually practicing that. Um, open directive conversation, you became used to it as well. And you became comfortable with that. Yeah. And there is an element there of how important um, it is to build trust with those that you lead and manage. And also I would say those you work with, because feedback is not about top down. Feedback when it's working at its best is when actually it's peer to peer and it's manager to to, to individual and individual back up again to manager yeah. and it's a continual cycle because that's what develops the strongest most effective working relationships it's yeah. not about only certain people have the responsibility to give feedback not at all it's about the all it's about ensuring it exists within all relationships within a work environment and um, but I think Absolutely. the regularity of what you describe and the fact that as you said it wasn't formal and it wasn't a we're now going to have a feedback Um, session that was just always the way in which he spoke with you and I think the piece around which I really love the fact that he utilized the open questions to engage you in thinking about your own performance your own behaviors your own choices so actually you were conducting your own self-assessment giving yourself feedback you know, you opened up your your whole mind and your whole like persona to be ready to have that type of conversation and give you the opportunity to have a think about it first. Yeah. Um, and the fact that you said that he then shared his observations, which I think is so critical to be clear about this with feedback, you are only ever sharing what you see. Yeah. And what you'll only ever see is what that individual's presenting externally. But actually what Nick um, encouraged you to do and to do first was for you to explore it yourself and then share with him what was actually going on for you when you made those decisions yeah. so that he could have your perspective because you're, you're giving him the internal that he can't see. Yeah, um, But yeah, as you say, we'll, we'll summarize this in terms of why actually Nick's techniques are some of the most critical techniques for sharing feedback a bit later towards the end of the episode. But I think there's three things there straight away, which I think are already such incredible... Um, techniques to use with feedback
1: yeah and it's obviously that experience is stuck in my mind so when I was prepping for today's episode and I was thinking okay I need an example of good feedback immediately it was there
0: yeah because quite. of the
1: experience that I had yeah, and it, how it made positive. you feel yeah, yeah and how exactly. it made you feel
0: because it stayed with you yeah. <laughs> awesome. exactly big up to the nick <laughs>
1: um but obviously to then kind of flip it and think about that bad experience of feedback again is somebody is, is an experience that um kind of stuck in my mind of um being on the the end of receiving feedback and this was from um a, a manager as well um and I'll talk I'll talk you through kind of like the story so first off this feedback was uh, given in a public place um Ooh. and
0: uh I so, feel pain already <laughs> yeah Ooh, painful okay yeah
1: so that kind of like I remember the conversation I remember thinking I think we're about to go into like feedback here and we were and i was thinking okay I don't know who's around me and who can hear this and it's making me already feel uncomfortable regardless if they haven't even said anything yet mm. so that's kind of like the first thing um and then some of my kind of observations of it reflecting back was it wasn't a two-way conversation so the feedback came out of the blue so I felt like I was a bit blindsided and that I was kind of catching up. Um, And again, there wasn't that kind of like subtle lead into it and it being about both of us kind of reflecting. It was kind of like, boom, here you go. Mm. So I felt quite startled and I was a bit like, oh, okay, we're we're doing this, are we? Like, okay, that's fine. I'm just kind of kind of catch up here so that I can be open to what you're about to say. Um, And then when the feedback came itself, it was really vague It lacked clarity. It was personal opinion, so it wasn't particularly tangible and grounded in fact, and that was missing for me. So, I then didn't really or truly understand it and what I had needed to do differently. And I think, reflecting back on that experience, and anybody who's worked with me knows that um, when I'm clear, I can, you know, alter things. I can go. I can deliver. But when I'm unclear. Um, I I find it really difficult to do that
0: Mm. and
1: this kind of compounded in this scenario where I was a bit blindsided and confused and and then I kind of came away from it and I was like I feel really uninspired and unmotivated now to go away and and kind of move forward Um, because I don't really know what I need to go away and do because it was very mishmashed Mm. in the way that it had been delivered and constructed and the examples that were used well there weren't any really any examples that had been used and also in that conversation there was no opportunity for me to reflect and give kind of my version of events um and so because I hadn't had that opportunity I kind of didn't respond that well to it and I think maybe if I'd had had that opportunity I probably would have come to the same conclusions potentially as what the other person was kind of delivering to me but I don't know because I never had that opportunity to mm. to um, ask myself you know could I have done something differently or could I have been better in that scenario would I have given myself the same feedback um, and so yeah I just felt kind of not particularly empowered when I left that conversation and certainly not clear about what I needed to change mm. and I think that's one of my kind of critical things about as a leader you know if you're going to be Giving feedback is thinking really like if I say this, is this person now going to be clear on what they need to do differently? Yeah. Because in that scenario, it was all very blurred and muddled, and I really wasn't.
0: No. And I'm so, then I probably didn't respond very well to it, in all honesty. No. And I think, you know, that clarity piece is so crucial because actually, you know, going back to the quote that I shared from Carol, you know, Being clear is being kind and being unclear is unkind. And I think generally a lot of us shy away from sharing feedback because we are worried about the effect it's going to have on the individual and how they're going to react. And I do think it holds managers back from being honest and truthful and having what they perceive to be the difficult conversation because they're not entirely sure how they're going to manage the outcome. But the point being is if you really care about people that much, that actually it's in many ways holding you back because you're fearful of hurting that person. Think about it in those terms. Actually, you're being unkind the less that you're sharing because yeah. you're stopping that person from being able to have the additional information, the, the potential different choices to be even better. You're holding them back. Yeah. Um, And actually, you should definitely hold that in mind when you're thinking about how you're going to present the feedback, which is actually the less clear you are, the worse this is going to be, because you've got to enable that person to connect with what you're sharing and to understand the reasoning behind it and what they then can do with it. So by being vague, like you've just described so wonderfully, Susie, you're being unkind. Mm -hmm. You know, because when you are unclear, and I think this is true of anything, you you are essentially stuck. You're just frozen yeah. in space because you don't really know whether to go left, right, up, down. Yeah. yeah. And also, I think thinking about
1: the setting you're going to deliver that feedback in, like immediately my back was up because it was in a public place.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So exactly. that's not a great start. No, no, because you're going to feel defensive because you've got an audience um, and you're yeah. going to feel uncomfortable that other people are essentially listening to your like vulnerabilities being played yeah. out um which is un- again that's unkind it's not it's not fair as you say you've really got to think about the setting the timing the environment to support that individual to absorb the feedback in the way it's intended um yeah so I and I, I kind of really felt example
1: I kind of I think I kind of felt there was a respect thing there as well oh,
0: yeah gosh definitely
1: so I was kind of like you don't respect me enough to do this in a private setting but you want me to respect what you're trying to tell me
0: yeah
1: um rightly or wrongly but that's how i think kind of an element of how i felt at the time um and so just from the from the from the go really it
0: yeah my back was up and i probably wasn't particularly open to hearing what yeah. was going to be said yeah no gosh definitely and it's 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 really interesting i think uh, you know as we were talking about before we started the episode, these experiences, they stay with you always. (laughs) And both the good and the bad, but it demonstrates how important it is to get this stuff right, because it's scarring. And I'm not saying that, for anyone who's listening to feel even more anxious about giving it because actually we're sharing the good the bad and the ugly the point is is actually if you get it right it can be a hugely successful um experience for both of you um but equally just be mindful of your responsibility as a leader about how important it is to get it right because if you get it wrong it will be the opposite (laughs) because you know before we start the episode you know my, my worst um experience of giving feedback happened to me in 2006 yeah and I still remember it And I still remember how I felt, (laughs) Um, you know, and that was such a long time ago. But it was because it was so painful and it had nothing to do really with uh, being told that there were things I could do better. That's not what that was about, but it was the way in which it was done. You know, I was very junior in a new role. Uh, This is back when I worked in the energy industry and it was in my early days of working in energy and I was working for an energy consultancy firm um in west london so i hit the big city i was feeling you know like you know working girl um and thought i was doing really well in the new job that i was doing and hadn't been told any different until it came to the end of my six month probation period when my then manager told me that in a very vague way so there's there's themes here in a very vague very subjective way uh, very much based on her opinion and her opinion alone that based on what she'd heard from other people she didn't feel I was doing the right job and that people uh, were unhappy with how I was fitting in and my behavior, but it was totally based as I've just described on hearsay. It was gossip really. Uh, that drives me insane when you and, get feedback. Yeah. Like and, that. It, and it wasn't, I, it, she wasn't able to clarify. She couldn't articulate anything different. And because of the way it was delivered. So you used that great word earlier, blindsided because I was blindsided by it and her perception of me and my performance was so drastically different from my own and from anything that I'd actually received up to that point, whether that be from her or colleagues or other managers in other departments, I was literally stunned into silence. I remember literally sitting there not being able to breathe because I was so shocked by it and so upset. And because the way she described everything to me was very much based on whisperings and what others had said, but she did not tell me who, because I remember saying, who's given this feedback and are you able to give more context? And so I can understand it because I'd really yeah. like to go away now and fix this because there's clearly things I'm not doing right, but I wasn't aware of it, but I'm not unsure now as to how to move forwards because I'm not entirely clear who this is about, what I did. She wouldn't tell me. So I was, I was just left in this situation of, I'm not going to pass my probation, there are individuals in this organisation who don't think I'm doing very well, but I don't really know what that means, and I don't really know why, and I don't know how to fix it. And and after that, well, I couldn't trust anybody. Yeah. Um. And it yeah. it was a horrible experience to be in. Um, and as I said, that has stayed with me always. Um. You know. And actually, weirdly, years on. I know. And weirdly, my dad spoke to me about it the other day because he remembers it acutely about how lonely I felt at the time, um, and how you know how much it had impacted my confidence. So it's, it's not that there was necessarily any, uh, it wasn't that there could have not, that there wasn't any truth in what she was saying. Maybe there was, but I couldn't find it. <laughs> yeah. Um. And I think, you know, it goes back to your point, which is when you're left in that situation of not having clarity, not understanding the situation, not being able to join the dots up to make sense of it, you're just left in limbo. Um. And actually your emotions take over. So, you know, you can't really do anything that constructive with it, even if there's truth in there somewhere. Yeah. So it's, it, it's yeah, it's it's so important that you really do think about going back to that point of sharing the, the plus points with Nick of and your example. It's got to be honest. It's got to be objective. It's got to be based on observations and real facts. And it has to be delivered in a way that actually comes from a place of wanting to support and help. Yeah. So it does come from that place of kindness that Carol talks about, because I think if your intention is a positive one that comes across in how everything, you know, how you present the feedback. Because my my positive example is actually one where a manager was pulling apart, really, uh, a piece of work I'd done, which when you think about it, that could be quite difficult, upsetting, damaging, but it wasn't because he sat me down and he said, and these were his words. He said, I'm going to break you down to build you back up again. And he said, and I'm gonna be with you every step of the way and I'm gonna support you to get there. So straight away, I was like, well, I understand his agenda. I understand what his intention is. I understand that he's got my back and that we're gonna do this together. And that even though this may be difficult, it will have a positive outcome and that he's doing it because he wants me to be better. And actually, yes, he did pull apart the piece of work I'd done, but I didn't find any of that difficult to deal with because we did it together and he helped me to build it back up, recreate it. And actually it was to do with a customer meeting and it was a presentation, a very difficult one I had to deliver about a very tenuous subject at the time. It was to do with debt uh, and this customer's debt. And this particular customer had made my managing director cry, so I was going into this meeting, knowing that my most senior head of department—he was actually my boss's boss—had been essentially, you know, um, she'd been in tears by the end of this experience with this customer, thinking, "Oh my god, like, yeah, how's this going to go? How she can't handle it? How the hell am I going to?" So he helped me to build this much more clear, constructive supportive proposal for this customer to sort this problem out I went in there expecting a fight expecting to end up in a similar situation out in tears well the the meeting lasted less than the hour it was scheduled for and the customer was brilliant all the way through I had no poor experience and I left literally bouncing off the walls thinking well that was brilliant but it was only brilliant because of what my manager supported me to achieve um so yeah you know it's it his it wasn't what he told me, and I think that's the the point I was making in the in the opening. It's about how it's done, and I think as well you you raise a good point in
1: in that example of, of what your manager did at that point, which is the way he framed it before he gave you the feedback. So he mm. framed it as a learning opportunity, but in the way he said you know, I'll be with you every step of the way. I will help you with this. Yeah. And so you don't then immediately, you don't feel on your own. You don't feel isolated. You don't think, oh, my God, it's me. It's all about me. I have to solve this. I have to, you know, work on this moving forward by myself. Mm. Um, you feel supported by the way that it's framed and the fact that you're going to, you know, learn some new stuff. And that's going to be really, really interesting and good for your own development. So that framing up front mm. is critical mm. as a manager before yeah. you even go into the feedback. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. So let so we've talked about our experiences of being recipients of feedback, the bad and the good. So let's be brave and bold. Let's be honest, because these are our principles, these are our values. We're both honest people. Yeah. Let's talk about our experiences of like what we've learned as leaders in respect of how to give great effective feedback and the and the key lessons that we've learned. You can start. (laughs)
1: So um yeah, I've definitely learned some lessons along the way in my leadership experience so far. Um so there's probably one situation which really stands out in my mind uh again a few years ago now. So I'd just started a new role. It was my first kind of big uh leadership role. I had quite a sizable team. And somebody who, who worked for me. Um, I was talking to them ab- about, um, I can't even remember what it was about, I think it was about some work or something that they were working on. So quite, quite an informal kind of off-the-cuff um, general conversation. And then once we'd kind of concluded that part of the conversation, um, and it was on the telephone as well, and I remember because I was stood in my garden, because when I'm on calls, probably like a lot of people do nowadays, I tend to walk around the house and I'd stepped into the garden, and then they, were, they, they then said to me, oh, so have you got any feedback for me um, in our time that we've been working together so far? Because I'd only just recently, like I said, started that role. So I've only been working with them a short period of time. And I think because I was so new in my kind of um, leadership position, I felt immediately obliged to give feedback because I'd, you know, been on some training, I'd learned about feedback, you know, you know, I have to be real, I have to be honest, I have to be authentic. I have to be okay with these conversations. Um, and so I then launched in to this completely unprepared, waffly, unstructured, unexampled feedback conversation. Which at the end, I knew that I was like, I don't even know what I'm asking this person to go away and do differently. And I don't even know if this person understands what I've been saying. I've handled this completely wrong. And it and it caught me again, blindsided, but in a different, in a different way as as a leader. And I have this kind of narrative going on in my head, like constantly, which is like, you "No, know, yeah, but to be a good leader, you have to be able to do like instantaneous feedback conversations, like as you go, because you shouldn't store it up as one big conversation. You know, it should be linked into informal uh, interactions and blah 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 blah." And I had all this kind of narrative going on in my back in the back of my head, and I just totally balls it up. <laughs> and I could tell I balls it up because the reaction of the person was a bit like, "Oh, uh, okay, yeah." Uh, Okay. And then I was trying to like save it by, and then I kind of went into it again. So I was trying to save it and be more clear. And it was an absolute disaster. And do you know what I think it taught me was actually, because I do really value the power of feedback and, and how it can be so helpful for people in, um, you know, in helping them learn and grow and improve that I should have said, I absolutely want to have this conversation with you but let's get some time in to do it rather than feeling pressured to Mm. do it right there and then
0: Mm. because
1: I made an absolute shambles of it Mm. and I think probably the impact of what I then said and how I did it going back to your example before wasn't what I was intending and um I should have just been bold and confident in myself to say okay I absolutely want to have that conversation with you but yeah. just not right now because I want to go away and make sure that I've really thought about what I'm going to say and I haven't worked with you long enough to come up with some really great examples for us to kind of go away and discuss that's what I should have said and I didn't mm. and I can just remember that the kind of the phone line kind of went a bit dead once I'd finished my massive like rambly rant to this person and I was kind of like oh no like I've really misjudged this Mm. massively and and Mm. just got it wrong and so that's probably one of the examples where it did really teach me about one the power of the conversation but two sometimes being a bit more assertive with the fact that my intention is so positive as, as a leader that I want you to absolutely have this conversation but we need to make sure we've done it going back to the point before we just do it in the right way yeah and I didn't do that
0: yeah it's so interesting so you know I think I've got a really great example of probably the opposite which is where And I know that from actually doing this podcast and speaking with individuals and uh, we actually had this conversation with Helen Franklin in episode eight of season one, which was a fantastic episode. And I highly recommend if you're listening to this episode, revisit episode eight of season one with Helen about managing performance, because we talked about this exact uh, point with Helen I'm going to bring up now, which is the regularity and consistency of having conversations about growth and performance and about behaviors and building that rapport, that trust with individuals that you work with. So that actually this becomes a habit. And what you're doing is having regular open conversations and dialogue about what's going on, because actually when you save it up, it can, that's when it can go terribly wrong. And my example as a leader of giving feedback is exactly that. Um, I used to work in an organization where the team that I managed had a quarterly bonus structure so they had targets to reach every quarter and they were monetary bonuses so you know money is a motive for people it's a big deal and and as it always will be I think and a lot of us who are fortunate enough to work in organizations with bonus structures we do rely on those bonuses and you know when you're working so hard to achieve that quarterly performance target and to achieve your bonus and you don't get it, it can be a really, really difficult experience. It can be painful. And unfortunately I had not managed the expectations of an individual and their performance uh, appropriately through that one particular quarter and saved it right up till the end of that quarter period to tell them that they hadn't reached uh, a certain grade and it was clearly a grade that they thought they had achieved and they burst into tears on the spot. Uh, and it was a very difficult situation to then uh, un, you know undo, is my point, because yeah. once, once you've taken that step, once you've crossed that line, you can't go back again. And this person burst into tears, they walked out of the, the meeting and our relationship was never the same. It didn't matter how much I apologized or tried to justify my position to try and be clear about why I'd reached the conclusion I had and how I tried to direct them to improve their performance for the next quarter. The damage was done. You know, they they were so disengaged after that because I'd broken their trust, you know, and it is it's a. It's a situation, a scenario that I will always be regretful of. Like I can't undo it. And I still feel bad about what I did because I know I could have so easily avoided it. If, mm. if we just had those conversations, if I'd initiated, that was my role. If I'd initiated those regular, consistent conversations yeah. and been honest with that person throughout, not only would I think their performance have improved to the point where they would have achieved the grade that they wanted, which is surely the best outcome for everybody, yeah. Um, but we would have maintained that trust and we would have maintained that relationship, which would have been more like beneficial for us both for the rest of the time we work together. Definitely. So I think you know, Helen's point in that episode we shared, and which we talk about often, and, and you echo it in that example of Nick, your your great manager, is having those conversations regularly and not saving them up because yep. that is what is being unkind. And it's it's being unkind to yourself. You give yourself such a bigger, harder job to do from just not having those conversations regularly and consistently. I think the best teams I've ever worked in in my career have been the teams where we have had the... Um, stronger relationships to be able to always be having open conversations open honest conversations about how we're all doing and that was peer-to-peer it was myself to my ma- uh, to those I led it was them to their own teams it was to my my manager myself they were the best environments I've ever worked in because everyone knew where they stood with each yeah. other and they also knew that everyone was there to support one another
1: and I think in that example that you've just given in your story but also in terms of like you say working in those you know really high performing team scenario trust is a fundamental it's you've got to have that trust in place both in terms of a one-to-one relationship you know with a line manager or in that peer-to-peer environment if you're working in a team and one of the key ways i think to kind of build that trust especially if you're having um a conversation which involves you know links in feedback is also to gain feedback from lots of different people Mm. so that the feedback doesn't just come from you. So for example, if you are managing somebody, um, don't just give your view in terms of those observations and the things that you've seen. Gain feedback from people that, you know, that person works with on a regular basis, but they may work in a slightly different function. They may be more seen, you know, people who are more senior, suppliers who they potentially work with, people who are a little bit more junior in, in role. And actually, what that does is that creates then a viewpoint in terms of, um, you know that perception versus that person's reality, mm. which isn't just grounded in your observations. Mm. But I think that, only works, that
0: I only think that works really powerfully and really successfully when the individual's gone and engaged with those people and gained it themselves. Yes, because no, I, I agree still with think. That. Yeah, I still think otherwise. You run the risk of um, your interpretation um, being mixed in there, and then, but you know having potentially the incorrect view that it is just your perception that you've gathered from someone else. Not to mention the fact that you want to avoid the scenario where they feel that they're being spoken about behind their backs by with various different individuals. Because um, really I, I, I know I've had a situation before with a manager who sat me down and only gave me feedback based on the opinions they would gathered from others. Okay, and no, it that's wrong. And that wasn't even, and they never actually gave their own It It was the weirdest experience I've ever had. Actually, that was like recent years. And I was furious. I was so angry. And I voiced that to them as well about how angry I was about it. Because in my opinion, you know, I'm not I'm experienced in in this situation, I'm experienced in leading and managing people and I'm experienced in giving feedback from the experiences I've shared, the good, the bad, and the ugly, I've got it wrong. I get that, but I, I believe it's helped me then to learn how to do it better. But this yeah. individual to give me this feedback and the way they had, I, well, I remember it. I think, I, I, I mean, I nearly wanted to slap him, but the point being that I was like, really? Are we having this conversation? You've gathered feedback from other people and now you're reinterpreting it for my benefit, which yeah. is rubbish. And actually, you can't give me your own opinion about what you yeah, think. That's and, wrong. And I remember sitting there going, and you know that I know how to do this better. This is awkward. This is a really awkward situation. It was, it was terrible. I mean, I laugh about it now because this poor guy, I mean, I re- literally gave it to him. <laughs> um, I probably didn't do very well at the end of that year because <laughs> of that, probably more than anything else.
1: But no, you make a good point there. And just to kind of clarify my point before, what I would say is I would, as a leader, I would facilitate, the, I would say to the other person, I'd like you to lead yeah. getting feedback from other people. So that's Great. a really good point to clarify. So you shouldn't go and do it behind somebody's back. You should say, I want you to go and do that and gain, you know, gain feedback from lots of other people, not just that your immediate peers. Because mm. I think that's the danger you can get feedback from people you work with on a regular basis. And um, sometimes then, because you work with them or you become really friendly with them or you're very similar and have the same strengths, yeah. it can then not necessarily give you the insight you need to, to help push you into that kind of growth zone. Yeah. And, no, and how fair. you move and how you move forward. But you in the story you just told there, you absolutely then need to also have your own view to supplement it. You can't just then hide behind what other people have said. <laughs> no. Like that's bizarre.
0: Like totally bizarre. It was bizarre. <laughs> it was, that was the end of a series of bizarre events with that individual. Oh, if I'm being honest. But yeah, I don't think I did as well that year, probably just based on how I reacted towards that situation. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, thank you for clarifying. That's great. <laughs> that's great. Cool. So, I mean, I, I do talk about this subject a lot because it comes up so often. Yeah, And actually, does. a lot of us are really sensitive to even just the word feedback. Like it strikes such anxiety. Like, oh! Yeah. And actually what I've started to try and do, I'm not doing it very well, so I need to practice it more. And, and as I said, like to you before we start this, I call it build up instead because I think actually that's like what that. this should all be about. It should be about building up others and what we should do, like, is focus more on growth, not performance. It should be a growth conversation. How can you learn? How can you grow? How can you know you be even better? Take the word performance out of it completely, because even that can be quite emotive, especially when it's linked to, you know, promotion possibilities and um, money. If you focus on growth and learning, I think that has a much more productive like framing around it. I think it is about having these conversations regularly. It's a conversation. Let's just strip it away. This is just a conversation. That is what it is. And it should be done regularly and consistently, not saved up to certain events in the year. Or even I would argue, it shouldn't just be always saved up for that one one one-to-one you have a month. Because actually you can be learning and growing and um, reflecting on experiences all the time. And I think it should be about, you know, clear evidence, objective-based stuff because it can't be vague like you've described and it can't be too emotionally personal opinion-driven because it's not helpful. That's not that's not tangible enough as you've described it.
1: Yeah. I think the other thing I'd build on that is about giving the other person a chance to respond. Yeah, so I love what's that. Their, yeah. what's their take of the situation? Hmm. um especially if you're talking about let's say we're talking about a situation that perhaps you weren't in, directly involved in or you've heard from somebody else like before you go launch into perhaps articulating what somebody else's feedback or view has been you know, just really find out what was going on for that person because there may be stuff you're not aware
0: of oh definitely a hundred percent it's such a good point and that was a great technique that that manager nick did with you which was yeah exactly. actually let's explore this together because that creates much more of that kind of even mutual ground it's not there's nothing about um it it removes the authority out of it as in like you're just sitting there receiving being told actually this is two-way and it creates that balance and that enables you to feel in a much more safer secure place so you can be more productive not defensive so I think that is a, a really great point to reiterate really great point so we've discussed a number of things around this and me and Susie could talk about feedback <laughs> all the time um because it's as, as I hope you've like listened and understood it is such a broad subject it is so important and it, it there's there there is just so much to talk about but we will summarize what we've talked about into our top tips later on for the end of the episode time for our listener question. This week's listener question is from Alex, one of our listeners who sent this through to us via Instagram. Hi guys, Alex here, loving the podcast and I have a question for you which is that I recently started a new company in a senior leadership role Uh, but the company is quite small and the culture has quite a lot of micromanagement in it. How can I best go about highlighting this to my peers and seniors in a way that doesn't sound like the new guy thinks he has all the answers? P.S. Used to work with Lisa. Missing you loads. Thanks, guys. <laughs> bless, him. bless him. Yes, I used to work with this guy as well. Excellent. Ah, yeah. bless him. So, Suze, what are your thoughts on Alex's dilemma? Yeah, I love a little shout out there at the end. How, How nice. Oh, that's really nice, Alex.
1: Um, so, yes, yeah, it I better answer the question. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, um. Yeah, in terms of this uh, little bit of a dilemma, Alex, um, I know what you mean. I've been in this place, actually, where you perhaps join a, a new company or you start doing um, something different and you've got loads of great ideas. You can see lots of things unfolding around you and you're thinking, oh, I can you know, help improve things, I can see some changes that need to be, to be made. But you don't want to be that person that everyone's like, oh. They'll know the answer, the, the, you know, and um, you're right. You need to kind of deal with it and um, communicate around it. I say in a in a in a sensitive way, but I also think you can be assertive as well at the same time. And the way that I would do that is if you see something, um, you know, you talked about the micromanagement, or some if you can see some other things that you think, okay, this could be better or be improved upon. You're having a conversation with somebody about how they might go in a and do that. And um, my suggestion is you actually ask a question, and that would be, "Can I make a suggestion?" And um, if that person says yes, you can say, "Okay, great. This is perhaps a suggestion that's worked really well in the past. That might enable us to be more effective, or might be able to work better, or whatever it might be, because." what you've done there is you've asked their permission first before you kind of launch into your um, ideas and views and, and um, put that on them, if that makes sense. So actually the fact that if they say then say no, then you have to respect that and go, okay, no worries. But Nine times out of ten when I've used this, most people say yes. And you can then go on to kind of um, articulate what your ideas and thoughts and views might be. So I think that's a really nifty little sentence that you can use in lots of different scenarios, which means you're not necessarily enforcing your ideas on them.
0: You are, but you're doing it in a just a bit more of a managed way. And a bit more subtle as well. It's quite a nice. Because, yeah. I mean, I can't imagine many people saying no. Can I make a suggestion? No. In my experience... <coughs> No one has ever said yeah. no. And I think based on the context of actually this episode, what Alex, um, you're referring to is giving feedback. Yeah. And I think if you stay in a space of, as we've described, of framing it in terms of wanting to help, wanting to support, wanting things to be even better and being clear about your agenda so they understand that it is coming from a place of goodness, not from a place of critique or I think I know better. Yeah. And also being objective and describing your observations and what you're seeing the impact of that being. I think you're staying in that sort of constructive area where you're clearly trying to outline that this is about you contributing in a good way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Alex, for sending in your question and for my little shout out. I really appreciate
1: Aww. it.
0: Um, for anyone listening, if you have a question which you would like to share with us and gain our support and advice, you can contact us via email at hello at the coachingcast.co.uk. Good luck, Alex, and let us know how you get on. It's now
1: time for Bullshit Bingo, where we call out phrases which get commonly used in the workplace, which, quite frankly, make us cringe. Today's Bullshit Bingo is, drumroll please, (laughs) it's on my radar.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Lisa, thoughts on this? I think when anyone ever says it's on my radar, it it sounds like the most dismissive response ever. It's on my radar. I think people do say it in quite a dismissive way from my experience as well, but it never gives me confidence that they're actually doing anything about it. I mean, you could just watch stuff on your radar all day if you like, but it doesn't mean you're actually doing anything. (laughs) I mean, yeah, unless you think it's like bomb laden, it's got bombs Mm -hmm. in it and they're tracking towards you. But generally I just find it the most dismissive form of, response on my radar yeah it's not very very action orientated no it? definitely not it's definitely not action orientated it just sounds like you're monitoring it yeah. which I think in some scenarios when I've experienced this I'm looking for a lot more than that I want something to be done I want it to be you know I want to have confidence that it's being handled correctly that actions are being taken that we're moving forwards so yeah just saying it's on my radar I just it's so dismissive I think it also depends on the context of of how you
1: use it as well. I'm trying to think if I've ever used this. I don't know if I have. I can't remember. I've definitely heard it being used. Um, And you're right, it tends to be on um, something which people just don't want to get into, like, the detail of. Like, it's really boring or it's a really, like, challenging project or something. And I was like, I just don't want to get into it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's what I mean. Sucking energy out of me. <laughs> it's so dismissive.
0: It's on my radar. I don't think I've ever used this.
1: I don't think I have, no. But um, email in if you used to work with me. I have used it.
0: Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, anyone wants to contact me and let me know if I have used it. But equally, <laughs> if you use this, yeah, I'd love to know how or why. Is it a filler? Don't you think lots of bullshit bingos that we've got? A lot of the bullshit terms we use, they're all fillers. They're just... yeah.
1: the The helicopter view
0: was a filler oh such a filler they're just fillers like I don't know what to say so rather than just saying nothing or saying um or addressing the fact that I don't really know the answer I'm just going to fill it it's just a filler (laughs) you know I've got nothing better to say so I'm just going to say this piece of shit This piece of nonsense. Which
1: some people might say is this feature in the
0: podcast. Yeah, true. It's a filler. It's a filler. Right. On that note, let's quickly get out of it before we take up any more time. So anyway, thanks very much for sharing that. So a lot of our bullshit bingos come from our listeners. So again, if you've got any crackers that you want us to feature please do send them in to us and especially with some context about how you've heard it uh, being used because that's always really funny for us. So again, you can contact us at hello at thecoachingcast.co.uk. So we're coming to the end of today's episode where we've been talking about feedback or as I like to refer to it, building up and why it's so critically important to share it and share it well. Our top tips from today for you to try are as follows. So, number one, focus on upfront framing. So, set a clear agenda for the purpose of the feedback and how it is the opportunity for that individual to learn and grow and to be even better. Number two, don't save it up. Be regular and consistent and incorporate this into everyday conversations so it becomes a habit. Number three, give clear evidence with examples. Don't be vague or emotional. And the fourth one is explore it together. Give the chance for the individual to respond and to conduct their own self-reflection, as well as giving you information about the reasoning behind their actions and their behaviour. And I've just reminded us of that incredible quote from Carol, uh, Carol Robert from uh, Suntory GB&I, which is being clear is being kind. As well as the top tips for today, we've also got a couple of questions for you to ask yourself to support you in giving feedback. The first one is, what is stopping me from giving feedback? Number two, what is the worst that could happen if I gave this feedback? And on the flip side to that, what great things could come if I give this feedback? And then the final question is, what one thing can I do differently to support me to give feedback to others? We hope you enjoyed today and have some new ideas to take away and try for yourselves. If you have any questions, thoughts or feedback, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at hello at the or on Instagram at the cast.
1: Your support means everything. Therefore, if you like what you've heard, then please, please, please give us a follow on Instagram at the Leave us a review on Apple and Google Podcasts, and most importantly, subscribe to future episodes wherever you listen to your podcasts and also on YouTube by searching The Coaching Cast. Our episode next week is a very special one. To celebrate Father's Day, we are doing a Father's Day special where we will be each be interviewing both our dads and talking about their reflections and experiences on the topics of coaching and redundancy in a corporate setting. We'll be kicking off the first of our very special edition episodes, talking to Martin, my dad. So please tune in next week for this
0: week's for that episode can't wait to talk to Martin Um, so we both love music and we use it to motivate and energize us so we like to finish each episode with our personal song recommendation giving you positivity and energy as you launch into your next zoom or team meeting my choice this week is a classic it's from Kate Bush and it's cloud busting thanks for listening have a great week and remember you've got this